Hey everyone, I need your attention for one minute. This is not one of those ads. This is something that has changed my entire life. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that this is all about personal development as the foundation for everything good in your life. And this podcast is now sponsored by Growth Day, which is the world's first all-in-one personal development app. I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine having everything all in one place that you need to create the life that you want? Now you can. So if you've been struggling with your motivation, your mood, your productivity, or your purpose, you have to check this out. Growth Day helps you consciously change your life and achieve your potential. It has all the self-improvement tools, motivational classes, and life coaching all in one place. So many of us want to improve our lives, but the question is how? Where do we start? What do we use? How do you get unstuck? How do you make self-improvement stick? Well, research shows how. It's when you consistently journal, track your habits, set goals, learn from empowering mentors, and challenge yourself that you'll be happier, healthier, and more successful. But let me ask you something. Where do you actually do all of your personal development work? I have to tell you that over 300,000 people use Growth Day for a reason. It works. It's the world's number one software for self-improvement. Growth Day has an amazing mindset journal that I absolutely love, a habit tracker, and a goal-setting system. In fact, I bet if you went to my stories this week, you probably saw me using the journaling app and telling you to do it too, because it's the first time that journaling has ever actually stuck consistently in my life because of this app. And best of all, Growth Day has live inspirational classes every single week from the world's top motivational speakers and life coaches. These are people who have impacted my life in huge ways. These are mentors who I already knew and loved. In fact, this is something that's so huge for me, you guys. I personally teach a class in Growth Day every single month, and it is one of the most fun things that I get to do, and I'd love to see you there. These classes will truly shift your life. There's always something new that you will learn. So join me in 300,000 Achievers Growing Our Lives with actual real intention. Visit growthday.com slash Lori for a free trial. Yes, you can try this for free. So go to growthday.com slash Lori and go live your best life. You guys, that's growthday.com forward slash Lori. And I can't wait to see you there. Hi, everyone. I'm so happy you've tuned into the show. Whether you have listened before or you're brand new, I'm so grateful for you. You have no idea. And this episode is brought to you by my Become Aligned course. And podcasts are amazing. And I know that you know that because you guys all listen to them. And I do too. And sometimes they are not necessarily enough because while we're listening, sometimes we're passively listening and we're not actively listening. So the reason that Chris and I, Chris is my husband, the reason we've created this course is because we get asked so many questions outside of the podcast on how we started living the life that we live now, a life of happiness, of abundance, of really understanding that life is always full of problems every single day, but there's always a solution. And how do we shift back into a mindset that's going to keep us happy, keep us together, keep us successful, and keep us in thriving relationships. And that is what 
our Become Aligned course is about. Because we cover everything from mindset to the rituals that we do every single day. We talk about different energy sources that's really going to provide you with lasting energy. We talk about your purpose and what that actually means, what it is, and how it's ever-changing. We're going to tap into your beliefs. We're going to show you how to build a tribe to support where you're going. And we're definitely going to talk about wealth, abundance, money, all of the good things and how to sustain all of this. Because while, like I said, podcasts are absolutely awesome, you don't necessarily sit down and actually write out a plan for yourself. Because as much as I can sit here and tell you on the podcast what we do and how much, how many different people that I can interview, it's important that you actually learn how to apply these things in your own life. So if you've been listening for a while and you are ready to go deep and you really want to get some direct training and be able to dive into your life and yourself and your mindset, this is the course for you. I don't know about you, but I absolutely have points in my life where I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. Sometimes I hit walls where I don't necessarily feel happy anymore and I haven't sat with myself long enough. I haven't really let myself think. I haven't written out how I actually feel. And so many people who took this course said that it was completely life-changing and they revealed a lot of things about themselves, about them li- about their lives, about their relationships that they weren't really looking at or they were avoiding. And it's about having those tough conversations, not only with other people, but really with yourself and knowing that you have the tools and the access to the tools. And we're going to teach you all of the tools that you need, not only to move through things, but to actually thrive on the other side. So you guys, I would love for you to join the Aligned community. It's such a special group of human beings and you get lifetime access. This is nine different modules where you're going to be working through each area of your life at your own pace. So you might need something on abundance. You might need more on you know money. You might need more on your purpose, on your tribe. This is where you can really go deep on exactly what you need and make sure that you're not missing any of your blind spots if you are feeling stuck or if you are wondering how everyone is doing it and how they're managing it all. This is a truly honest course about how to have a thriving life and manage and deal with all of the different problems that do come up in your life and understand that not everyone is going to support you and not everyone is for you and you are not for everyone. And that's okay. It's finding your people. It's forgiving yourself. It's creating a life of abundance and choosing your own purpose and your happiness. So you guys, you can go to becomealigned.com. That's becomealigned.com. And you guys know that because you're listeners, I'm going to give you an awesome deal and an awesome discount. And I cannot wait to see you in that community. And also let me know if you join because it is such an awesome, awesome uh, community. And also I'm really proud of this course. Chris and I poured our heart and our soul into this. Everything that we've done, everything that we've learned, we've invested so much into ourselves that this is everything that we have applied in our lives. And if you want to know how we've done it, we put it all on the table. We've put it all in this course. So if you want to know, go check it out at becomealigned.com. So let's get into the show. I just put myself out there 
with knowing that obviously rejection is possible, but if I don't put myself out there, regret feels worse. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome to the show. And my guest today is Dr. Morgan Francis. And I had the honor of seeing this woman speak. And I will tell you that I was sitting in my chair, uh, just blown away by her presence and her grace. And I knew that I wanted to have her on the podcast because of what she was sharing on stage and because of just the beingness that she was able to hold in the room among all of these incredible women and just so present. And this conversation today will definitely open your eyes a lot about um, just different uh, eating disorders, addictions, uh, mindset, and all of the different things that all of us are dealing with and how they show up in our lives and how we can push through different addictions or things that are holding us back. So Dr. Morgan Francis is a doctor of clinical psychology and a licensed mental health therapist. She's the owner of Scottsdale Premier Counseling. Her mission is to break through mental health shame. With over 20 years of experience specializing in the treatment of body image and eating disorders, Dr. Francis can empower you to make peace with your body and food. For too long, society has been embracing diet culture and pushing you to believe how you look is not good enough. And no matter how thin or fit you look, you can't outrun the pressures that surround you. The transformation of loving and appreciating your body happens internally, not externally, Dr. Francis says. She has online courses on body image and self-love that can help get you back to your life. And this is definitely a lot of the conversation that we have, not only around uh, body image, but how so much of our beliefs around ourselves and our body image and food affect everything that we do in our life. So I can't wait for you to listen in on this conversation. Here we go. Morgan, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited to be here today. So um, one of the biggest reasons I'm excited to have you here is because I'm always really thrilled when I can get people on the podcast who I've actually gotten to meet and experience and gotten to hear you speak. And we got to meet each other at Lindsay Schwartz's amazing event, Powerhouse Women. And first of all, I got to meet you and you were just one of those people who... I just, you can drop in right away, like super comfortable, really down to earth, but also just like, wow, like your presence is really powerful. And then when you were on stage, it's the same exact thing. It's powerful, but so incredibly approachable. Um, And those are, those are usually the women that I love the most. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much. That, That means a lot to me 
coming from you because I know that you have been around so many women. And I mean, the Powerhouse Women's event 2018, I mean, wasn't that the most incredible event? I had so much fun. Like literally just a blast. And that's kind of where, you know, I know that when I'm having fun, it's when I really open up to learning and connecting. So I know that that wasn't just created by me being like, I'm going to be fun today. It was because because everybody held the same intention. And Lindsay really held that intention for everyone and all of her speakers to bring in people who were really down to earth and open and, you know, committed to the vision. So it was super special. It really was. And for me too, my journey really came so, you know, full circle because I was in the audience the year prior to that. Mm. And I never met Lindsay and she had asked for feedback after the 2017 event. And I emailed her and she reached back out to me and she asked me to go to coffee. And she, we just talked and I told her about. Um, my passion of body image and what I stand for. And then she asked me if I would like to be a speaker at the event. And I really had no clue what that would entail until the actual day of the event. And it was magnificent. And then I had no clue what it would mean after the event and all the attention and all the... um, uh, the effect of what I spoke about would have on women. So it, it really was such an amazing opportunity. And um, I felt, I feel really honored that I got to be a part of it. So what do you think happened? Like, cause this is such a beautiful takeaway for people. Um, number one, you were open and you said yes to going to the event. Like, where did that even come from? How did you show up? Because clearly you're, you know, not to use two out there words, but like clearly your energy was really open and receptive at the event that you not only, you know, you got approached, then you got asked to go to coffee, then you got asked to speak. Like, you know, that doesn't just happen. So people listening, they're like, oh, it's because X, Y, and Z. There are plenty of people that go to events and they're quiet or they're closed off energy or they don't have, you know, they're not intentional or whatever that looks like. So what do you think that is? Well, I think from a young age, it was modeled to me by specifically my mom to welcome everybody no matter who they are, where they're standing, and specifically take notice the people that are in the corners of the room that may be standing by themselves, that don't feel comfortable, have a sense of awkwardness to really reach out. And she really taught me to include everybody. Mm. I was just one of those, those kids that grew up and you know invited all the kids to come over to my house to play. It wasn't just you know one or two. And so having that approach to life as an adult, I think has really helped me because I'm, I'm not afraid to hear the word no. Mm. Um, I, I really not. I, I, if I hear the word no, it's an opportunity, opportunity for me to find the word yes. Mm. And whether that's within myself or whether that's in the environment. And so that's how I look at it. And even in romantic relationships, I always joke um, that I approached my husband. He didn't approach me. And Everyone's like, what did you say? And I, I literally drove up in my car and I handed in my phone number and I said, give me a call. And they're like, you did that? And I, and I said, yes. And they're like, well, what if he didn't? I said, then he wouldn't. And it's no loss. It's not like you know I had anything to lose by giving him my number. It was just, here, give me a call. And yeah. I just put myself out there with knowing that obviously rejection is possible but if I don't put myself out there, regret feels worse. Oh my God. 
okay, we can be done with the podcast. Awesome. So it's just so true. Like everything is risky and you have to just plant those seeds everywhere, you know, everywhere you go. And I love that just really being open and having just like the, I I think that's huge. Just what you said, just open energy of like welcoming energy of like everything is possible here. And, you know, of course there's risk and potential, you know, pain, but that's, that's life, right? That's, that's literally the process of life. So, um, you know, we had just jumped on the podcast and you were telling me like you had kind of a crazy morning, but you did not get to tell me what all went down. So, you know, why not, why not share with a million people right now? (laughs) Right. Of all these people. So you're going to hear what happened. So, um, when I go on podcasts, you know, it's really important to me that I prepare and that I get my thoughts and have clarity and, you know, just get a flow for it. Mm-hmm. And my kids, um, I have three children, ages seven, five, and three. I have three kids in three years. So wow. um, we were busy. We were busy. So, um, <laughs> and uh, my kids, my older two started a camp and it was their first day yesterday. And when we were sitting down for dinner, uh, it turns out that one of my, uh, one of the kids at the camp had, had bullied my five-year-old. Mm and had um, tried to get money from him and went through his backpack. And he called my daughter negative names. And um, it, it was just, you know, as a parent, oh you God. just are sitting there with this, you know, your, my stomach was churning. And of course, I, I know what I wanted to do to this other kid. And, and that's not helpful. Um, so it really put everything into perspective for me because it was like, okay, my kids really need me and they need me to be their mom and not Dr. Morgan Francis, the clinical therapist. They need me to show up as their mom. And so I did. And I went to the director this morning and you know, we had a good conversation about it, about what happened. But my daughter turned to me and she said, well, mom, what if I don't have a good day? What, what if, I, if I have a really bad day? And I put my hands on both my kids' shoulders and I looked them in the eye and I said, you do not let anyone rob your happiness. Mm. You can always make it a great day, no matter what happens to you. You have the power to turn your day around. Mm. And they both looked at me and they're like, okay, mom. And we hugged and it's like on three. And they went out to the soccer field and I didn't, I got into my minivan and I, you know, pulled away wiping tears, you know, mm. off my cheeks because I think that's again about our mental health. It goes back into we all have the power to change our day, our week, our month, our year, whatever it may be. It's in our power. We just have to ask for help. Mm. And we are so good, myself included, at avoiding pain. I spent years of my life avoiding pain. My brother was killed in a car accident when I was 16. And it completely changed my my destiny. It completely changed everything. And I had to really learn so much about life. And I learned that I was really good at avoiding pain by numbing out with um, you know, an eating disorder or toxic relationships or drugs or alcohol. Um, and I really had to look at myself and become hyper aware of who I was. Um, and I dug deep into journaling, into um, art therapy, to music therapy, to my own mental health therapy, to um, traveling, to connecting with 
God again to really figure out how I could heal from this loss. And, um, I talk about the loss of my brother because it shaped everything, um, in my life. And now when I am living, I I really don't take anything for granted. I really try to make every moment count because, um, you just never know. You never know what can happen. Mm. Oh man. So from, from your brother's, um, passing and from you dropping off your children and, you know, wiping tears away, like how, how do you, you know, of course we have to feel all of those things, but at the, at the same time, how and when did you decide that it, you didn't have to carry it through the rest of your life? Because I think what can happen, you know, let's just use what happened with your kids. It's like so many people get stuck thinking that they have to carry that all day. How do I, you know, shouldering the burden of, you know, what's going to happen with my kids if they're bullied again, like in, in all of a sudden, all of that stress and fear and worry can can drive us into drinking into eating into you know into not caring about the things that actually move the needle forward of the things that you want to do with your life and how you want to show up and how you want to be there for people so how do you handle all of that i love that question well specifically with this event with my kids i mean i did like what any person does last night after dinner i i numbed out looking through social media <laughs> so yep. i did not take care of myself in a proper way mm-hmm. um but i needed that escapism and i think you know jay shetty talks about you know we can escape or we can elevate our brains and i love that idea because i escaped last night and then this morning it was intentional I wanted to elevate. And so I had the conversation with the camp director. Um, I called you know, a, a friend of mine and we talked it through. Um, I went for a run and it's really hot outside here in Arizona right now. It's like 100 plus degrees. So I turned on music. Um, music is definitely my calling. It's my therapy. It's mm-hmm. really what I go to. And so um, being in that space of just, okay, taking care of myself, working out the emotions and letting them start to move through, like using that energy and and finding an outlet for it to pass through me Mm. is going to be much more effective for me to be able to continue on my day than stuffing it or avoiding it. Um, where we will see it show up in really problematic ways later on. Mm. Um, so it's really important, um, that, I think for me, it's, it's the awareness, right? It's, it's making the invisible visible and creating the awareness of this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I want to do and moving out of the reaction into response. So when I can, instead of reacting, which would be negative and doing something impulsive, moving into a response mode, which is solution focused, which is moving forward and finding a solution of an action. Mm. Okay, so I want to dig into that just a tiny bit because in order to know that you need to go and move through feelings, there has to be a belief there that either started or you adopted around like feelings are just visitors and like understanding that they cycle through. So where did that belief come from? And is that, you know, what are you clinging to in those moments of like... Do you know what I'm saying? Where where the point where I think some people think they have that that emotion becomes them or it becomes their identity, but clearly you have a, a knowing or belief that says this isn't you know this is just temporary. How can I move this through and how can I grow from it? So where do you think that started from? 
Uh, I think definitely through the grief therapy that I received after my brother died, because there are stages of grief that are identified by Kubler-Ross and it's denial, um, anger, bargaining, um, depression, and acceptance. Um, and those stages are not linear, meaning we don't go from one to the other, to the next in a you know chronological chronological stage. It's fluid, mm-hmm. and so there were times that I I couldn't believe he was gone. I didn't want to believe he was gone, mm-hmm. and there are still times, even though it happened, you know, when I was sixteen, that I still don't believe he's gone. That I don't want him to be gone. So that denial can come back up at any time in my life. Mm. That anger can come up any time in my life. The acceptance can come up at different times in my life as well. And so for me, it was just, this is, this is circular. This isn't something that's just, I have, this isn't define me. Mm. The, the, my brother's death and the tragedy that my family um, suffered, it doesn't define who we are. It, it's a part of who we are. But we continue to move on. And my family, you know, is so close. I mean, even though my parents um, got divorced a year later um, and they both are remarried, they are extremely close. I mean, we're kind of like the Bruce Willis, Demi Moore, uh, you know, couple. You know, we, I mean, we do dinners together, we do holidays together. They've even joked about going on vacation together. I'm like, whoa, guys, back it up. Like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I'm lucky because I have parents that really, you know, respect each other. Um, and I think after you lose a child, a lot of things can happen. And, um, I'm really grateful that they were able to, um, still have respect for one another after the loss. Oh my goodness. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing that. And just the way that you put it in the picture of, you know, this is circular. I think, so often we can be like, I've been here before. Why is this here again? And I think knowing like, you know, every day can look like that. Every day can be a process of moving through those things. So do you mind just because that's so interesting? Could you tell me the the phases again? Yeah, it's by um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Um, it's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and then acceptance. Mm. What is the bargaining one about? So bargaining is like, if I do this, can I get this back? Mm. So if I'm good, if I'm a Christian, if I, if I, you know, God, if I, if I own this to you, can you, can you, you know, bring me something back? Maybe not in a physical form, but could, you know, you make sure that nothing bad happens to me again. Mm. And, and that's what actually I, I felt that I, I, I remember being in my, in my college years and thinking, well, I, I, I went through the most painful thing. I lost a family member. I lost my brother. There's nothing bad that could happen to me again. Well, God, I was so wrong. <laughs> I, was, I was really wrong because I, mean, I felt pain in many different ways, many traumatic ways. This, this was not just the, the, the tip of the iceberg. Just because I felt pain and, and, and lost my brother doesn't mean I, I, I was never going to be exposed to pain again. In fact, I would be exposed to pain many times again. Mm. Can you, uh, so this is such a huge topic for me right now, like the acceptance of pain in daily life, meaning, um, you know, maybe, maybe it's the lot, something as extreme as the loss of someone or people, um, you know, having, finding out they have different diseases or loved ones having, you know, different things that are coming up or cancer or whatever that looks like. But also, uh, you know, something that I'm finding in my life every day is when you follow your dreams and you become an entrepreneur, like you deal with, a lot you you work with a lot of people 
And yes. when you're working with a lot of people and you're working with money, I, I think that that invites a whole slew of different, very interesting, sometimes excruciatingly painful things that come up. Like, you know, oh, yeah. especially when you put yourself out there, just like judging character or bullying or whatever that looks like. So I'm really trying to... And I, and I know I'm speaking for so many people right now, and I would love to hear your take on this in your life. Like the acceptance that every day there's going to be pain, but there's also joy. So how you how you talk to your kids and you're like, you know, nobody can rob you of your joy. Can you talk to me as, from an adult perspective of like, how can I accept the pain that comes with all of the beautiful things in life? Yes. Well, I really believe, I mean, it's a, it's a yin and a yang. So we have the pain and then we have the joy. And what I have found working with, um, you know, hundreds of individuals as a clinical therapist is that, you know, the, the pendulum swings both ways. So we are great avoiders of pain, but we also can be great avoiders of pleasure mm. and joy. Um, and so it's not just that people avoid, you know, feeling the uncomfortableness with the painful traumatic events. They they avoid feeling the comfortableness also with the joyful events. Mm. And one of the things I know that you've talked about too um, is gratitude. And for me, when gravity pulls me down, gratitude lifts me up. Mm. And when I was in that, you know, pain of of losing my brother. I know that you know pain is inevitable, but suffering is not. I, I knew that I wasn't going to be suffering forever, um, and I and I was grateful um, that I had such an amazing relationship with my brother. Um, Brittany Brown talks about when parents um, or family members lose people. You know what we miss the most is the simple things. Mm. Like I miss seeing the scar on his knee. I miss how annoying he was. <laughs> um, how he would fart in the car and lock the <laughs> and roll the windows down. Like that's the stuff I miss, yeah. you know. <laughs> and, um, and and so it's the simple things. Mm-hmm. It's not the big extraordinary things. And I I actually love hearing people talk about their relationships with their siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I don't shy away from that. Like, I want to hear about your relationship and how important it is to you, because then I know you get it. You get the value. Mm-hmm. Um, when I hear that people are disconnected or no longer talking to their siblings, that's where I'm like, no, like reach out. Let's find a way to have a conversation. If it means, you know, you know, of course I'm not talking about, you know, significant abuse and things like that. But if there's an argument that hasn't been worked through, let's talk about that because there's an opportunity there that you're missing out on that connection with your sibling. Mm -hmm. So that to me is where the healing is. Um, When I'm able to help people through their pain of losing someone um, because I've been there and, and I, and I know, I know that feeling. I know, I know the look, I know the, the, the scream that comes out of a parent's mouth when they, when they hear the news of, of losing a child. Mm. I was there. I heard it. I'll never forget it. Mm. 
So you go through the cycle. I, I'm I'm sure this comes up all of the time. Do you have a particular? You know, I know that you said that you you walk and you listen to music. Is that kind of your go to for when this cycle comes up, or do you do you recognize when you're going through it? Is it helpful, or is that sometimes actually not helpful to be able to like diagnose where you're at? Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And there are days I recognize it, and there's days that I don't. When the days that I'm like, what is off? Like something's mm-hmm. off of me. 10 out of 10 times, it's because I'm, I'm in my grief mm-hmm. and I'm just missing him. And I just wish he was here. Yeah. And I, and then I reach out and I talk to him mm-hmm. and I open up and I like, we'll literally have conversations out loud with him and fill him in on what's going on. Just like I would, if I was giving him a phone call, mm-hmm. you know, it's really cool in a way because right after he died in the mail, I got a postcard from him. Oh, I know. Right. Wow. <laughs> and you know, here I am, I get the mail and I'm 16 years old and I see uh, University of, of um, Colorado, um, or Boulder, Boulder University is where he went to college. And I was like, that's odd. And there's his handwriting. Wow. And I literally almost fell to the floor and he wrote me a postcard right before he passed, wishing me a good year in school and telling me how proud he is of me and how much he loves me. Wow. I know. I know. And I was just like, I mean... You you can't get better closure than that. No. <laughs> I mean, you you really can't. No. Mm-hmm. And and for and it just it just I I was like okay like okay and I have to I have to work through this you know these stages of grief and I I know I literally know that he is with me. I knew right before I went on stage that powerhouse meant, and I was sitting there and I felt like an elephant was on my chest and there was no way I was going to get up on stage. Um, all of a sudden, Lori, I had like this vision of him mm. and he, I knew he was there mm. and I, I could hear him and I could see my family and I could see my kids and I could see my husband. And I just, I just knew I was, I was meant to go up on that, on that stage and serve mm. and, and deliver a message for women to, to love themselves. And, um, I, I, I can't, it's so hard to explain it in words. It was just this feeling. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's absolutely beautiful. I can't even imagine getting the postcard in the mail. It's, <laughs> yeah. Do you ever yeah. just, are you ever like, wow, is, is there ever a part of you that wonders like, is there a higher part of us that knows sometimes? Had he ever written you a postcard before? He had never written me a postcard. The last conversation I had with him um, I, I remember where I was. I was in the mudroom of my home. I picked up the phone. Um, this is obviously before cell phones. And um, I, I was like, hey. And he's like, hey. He's like, I, I want to talk to mom and dad. And I was like, okay. And I was like, mom, dad, Kyle's on the phone. And he's like, hey. And I'm like, what? And he's like, I love you. Mm. And I was like, I, I love you too. And it, it wasn't something we said to one another on a regular basis. I mean, clearly, sure, at special times. Yeah, but he told me he loved me, and and um, and those were his last words to me. Mm. And uh, yeah, I just I feel that I was really lucky because I know there's so many people that don't get that. Yeah, um, um, it's so many, and I and I am re- not all my family members got that. So and that and that really hurt their and and it stifled their grieving process i would say mm. my sister did not have the same experience as i did mm. um and that really um negatively hurt her and wounded her that she didn't get to have um 
that closure with him. Um, she didn't get a postcard in the mail. Mm. Um, and so I definitely feel that I was blessed in that way because it, it helped me in my healing journey. Um, uh, and so that's why I feel like I'm also, I, I need to be that person to, to also help others. Like this, mm-hmm. this was my destiny. Like people say like, Oh, how did you find your career? I'm like, no, 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 no. My career found me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's my, it's my, uh, my, my purpose here in life is, is to serve others and to help them through their pain. Oh, that's what I was just going to ask you. So is that where your passion came from? Did you know how, you know, how soon into your journey did you know that you wanted to help people basically cope? Because what, I mean, you help people with so many things, body image, eating disorders, mood disorders, relationships, trauma, um, sexual disorders. Like, do you, are, are those, do they all have a similar route or through line to them? They do. Um, it's not, you know, exactly the same, but it all comes back to, to trauma, to pain, to suffering, to loss. And we all have a story. Um, and that's the thing we, it, you know, I'm sure we've all heard this line. You, know, you never know what someone's going through. Mm-hmm. And you really don't. You really don't know. And I mean, I've worked with some of the most, you know, high celebrities that, you know, that you would ever see on TV all the way to, you know, a 12-year-old child. And, and yet we all have the loss. We all have the pain. We all have the hurt. And it manifests itself in different ways. And until we get the help, we don't know how to heal ourselves. Mm. And we have to feel, we have to deal, and then we have to heal. Mm. So you said if we don't get the help, we can't heal ourselves. But so many of us, like whether we are uh, afraid to ask for help or whether we are... Uh, I, I know something that I'm totally like you know, I'm guilty of is being like, oh, well, my problem's not big enough, but then you, they can grow much bigger. So how how do you know you need help? When can you ask for help? How do you even go about doing that? Yeah. And I love what you said because I've heard that so many times. Well, I don't have it as bad as this person. And and how I, I frame that for my, my clients is, you're right, you don't. You don't have it as bad as that person. However, you don't have it as bad as that person over there either. Mm-hmm. And so really what you say to your, when you say to yourself that my pain isn't, isn't as big or as, as bad as somebody else's, what you're saying is I don't deserve, I'm not deserving mm. of help. That's the message that you're sending to yourself. And you are, you've always been deserving of help. We all are deserving of allowing ourselves to be helped. And I know that I'm really good at, you know, figuring it out and handling it and, and taking care of it, I think, you know, that's just my personality. But I remember a time when I was um, pregnant and I was carrying all these bags and my clinical supervisor was like, hey, let me get a door for you. And I was like, no, no, I got it. I got it. And he literally put his hand on my shoulder. And he goes, let me help you. Mm. And that was such... that Those words were meant more than he knew mm. because I had been rejecting help for a long time in that period of my life. Mm. And I needed to be able to allow myself to receive. To uh, When we allow ourselves to receive, we allow ourselves to be loved. Mm. Oh, that's so beautiful. And you gave me such an image of, you know, it's a, it's a gift to be able to help people. Like, you know, when I see my husband stressed out and he doesn't let me help him, I'm like, you're killing me here. Like, let me let me help you, please. Like, it would make me feel so good. Um, so it's a gift for people 
to be able to help us. Like it's it's a huge part of can you imagine not ever being able to help someone? Like it's what your whole life's purpose is based off of. Absolutely. I mean, I I, I have job security. I mean, that's what I say. Everybody. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. Yep. I've got job security with what I do. Um, and I love it. And I and um if I can't, if I literally can't help, I will find a way to give you the resources to get you the help. I never say no to anybody. I will always say, let me get back to you and I will get you what you need, whether it's a book, a podcast, a person, a song, whatever it is. I, yes. The, the fact that you're reaching out is takes so much courage. Um, so I don't want that courage to go away. So let's get you what you need. What happens if a lot of times, you know, may, I, I think there's so many people out there. I've know I've been in, I know I've been in this situation where sometimes we don't even know, we can't yet let's just say it's years of not expressing and suppressing. And we don't even know what we need help with because we just feel like everything is wrong. Mm-hmm. How do you even start to like uproot, unravel? And I think it's a really scary place for a lot of people because they haven't looked. They haven't seen what it is. They haven't confronted or as you as you say, care-fronted, which I think is just so beautiful because confronting your fears and what's wrong can be one of the scariest places. It's much, you know, sometimes it can feel easier to suppress and sweep under the rug because we're used to feeling that pain. So how do you even start to look at, you know, what you want to start taking care of? Um, my first reaction when you were saying that was don't wait. I think oftentimes we meet till there's a crisis. We wait till there's that's big that happens. Oftentimes that's where I see men come in. Something is like as a crisis, meaning it's going to affect their job. It's going to affect their, um, marriage. It's going to affect their, um, finances. And that's typically what I see with men. And that's what brings them in. Um, for women, it's an emotional burden. Like I can't handle this anymore. It's you know anxiety. Um, it's body insecurity, um, and it's preventing them from having you know a quality of life or connected in their relationships. And it's usually about another person than it is about themselves. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. So when it's about another person, why? What do you? What do you see? Is it? Is it's it for their, their child, or, okay. it's for their daughter, it's for their son, it's for their partner, it's for their work, it's because their partner said something to them. Um, it's typically it's a it's an external factor mm-hmm. that brought it that brought them in. Um, like my weight's bothering me, or you know, my boss said this to me, or um my girlfriend, you know did this. And so it's, it's always typically an external factor that will bring them in. But once, you know, whether it's a man or a woman, once they're in, you know, you know, then it becomes about them. But as far as getting them in to make that call to reach for help, what I would say is don't wait, don't wait till there's a crisis. Um, in fact, you can go when things are going well, mm-hmm. we don't have to wait until things are bad for us to talk about ourselves. Um, oftentimes I say to my patients, it's okay for you to come in here and have a good day. In fact, let's, let's talk about what's making it a good day today. What, what's helping you and not always focusing on what's bad, but also what's working. Mm. 
Oh, I love that topic too, because it's, I feel like it's so easy to get attached to our identities of our problems. And sometimes, um, you know, it, it's almost like you can feel naked without a problem if it's identified you for so long, especially if it's what got you different connections, or maybe we bond over, you only know how to bond over drama or, um, you know, past experiences or traumas that have happened. So really focusing on what is good. How do we, how do we confront our problem, but not get stuck in the problem? Because sometimes that's what I hear about. Um, like you said, I love that you celebrate great days because sometimes I hear that we can start to talk about our problems or go to therapy, but then get stuck in the loop. Yeah, exactly. And so that trauma bonding is really common. It, you know, it, it bonds us into the pain. And we feel like we can't be without the pain because the pain has been a partner. The pain is familiar. The pain is a state of um, comfort in a sense because it's what the person's always known. So to work through the pain and leave the anxiety or leave the depression or leave the guilt, it feels incredibly scary because then I'm exposed. Mm. Right? Then I'm really me. And who am I? Who am I without this discomfort? And oftentimes people may not know. Oh my God. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that one's close to home in many yes. ways. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's getting to understand our identity. And, and um, what I will ask a person is, let me, who are you? And, and, and however old they are, whether they're 43 or you know, 67 or whatever age, I'll have them you know, write down these affirmations. I am a survivor. I am intelligent. I am creative. I am passionate. Whatever you are, not what you do, because that's different than who you are. And we we tend to mix the two. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's that's huge. Just um, you know, I think growing up where it really was just that that was all that we talked about and bonded over was either pain of the world or pain in our bodies or pain of you know, whatever it looked like, because um, I think growing up in a restrictive religion as well, it was always like we were waiting for the next part of our lives, whatever that looked like. And I I think like believing, you know, whatever those past beliefs are, like this is the life that you're, um, that you've been born into, whether that's, you know, life is hard and then you die or whatever those beliefs are. It could be financial beliefs. It could be family beliefs. It could be religious beliefs. It's like once in a while, not once in a while, I'm going to be totally honest, like on a daily basis, I'll find myself scanning for what is wrong. Like, where's the anxiety? And I, it's like a loop. And I know that I can't be alone in this. So it's, it's like, how do we allow ourselves to let go of that loop. I know you just told me, but yes. tell me again. Well, we can. And also, uh, you, you know, you bring up a really good point because I've done it myself where um, I'll be with my kids and I'll be experiencing joy. And all of a sudden I'll imagine something really bad happening. Mm-hmm. Like, like there's a car accident or there's a drowning or, you know, he could just fall over and stop breathing. Yes. You know, I'm like, what the? And I'm like, what am I doing? Yes. Like, what is going on? And, um, and in and Brene Brown talks about this. We we rob ourselves the joy mm-hmm. because the joy is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. The joy we know from when we experienced pain can be short lived. Mm-hmm. And so preparing ourselves to think, okay, something bad's going to happen, is a way for us to put up our defense mechanisms to protect our sense of ego. So if I prepare for it, then it won't hurt as bad. Mm-hmm. But you and I both know that's a bucket of lies yeah. because it still hurts. It still 
hurts. And no preparation is really going to minimize a crisis or traumatic loss or a negative experience because it's just, it's painful and it hurts. Mm-hmm. It's just so, going to rouse the moment. Yes. It's going to mm-hmm. totally rouse the moment. So stay in the joy. Don't, don't exit. Don't avoid the joy. Stay in it because that's where the goodness is. That's, that's the richness. Mm. Oh my God. I just had this flash of like, you know, I, I feel like all of the old sayings like, well, it's all fun and games until like, we feel like if we're not stressed out and thinking of like what could go wrong, that if we are, you know, sideswiped while we're in joy, that we will be guilty. Like, why didn't I see that coming? Or why didn't I, I think that's a big root for me is it's like, oh my God, if I'm just in pure bliss, like, will this add to the idea that why didn't, why wasn't I more prepared? But we can't spend our life preparing for fear and anxiety. Exactly. We can't. And and we'll we'll be unsuccessful because it's the guilt. Yes. You know, why, why wasn't I or why couldn't I see this? And when there is um a loss, we want or pain or trauma, we want to blame somebody. Yeah. We want accountability. We want to be able to point the finger at someone or something to say it was your fault that this happened. And when we can't do that directly, then we're left with looking at ourselves. Mm-hmm. And that's really uncomfortable because then we have to handle all the emotions that come along with the loss. Mm-hmm. Well, therapy therapy is happening over here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's so much, so much around that. But I want to ask you because this is like, I loved hearing you speak on stage. Um, and I think one of the biggest topics going around, especially right now in this very moment, uh, is so much about body image. And I know that you love talking about body image. So why is this such a hot spot for you? Um, because I've been through it. Mm. And I get it. Um, you know, one of the ways that I avoided pain was I developed an eating disorder. Mm. And I would, uh, you know, restrict food. I would count calories. I would spend hours at the gym. I would purge. I would binge. I would cleanse. Uh, I mean, name it, I probably did it. Mm. And um, I was miserable. And the thing is, I was at my thinnest. Mm. And I remember coming back home from college one summer and I was very thin and I got so much praise mm. for looking you know, good to everybody else. But inside, I was just miserable mm. and no one knew. And it was so confusing to me that people assumed that my life had to be so fantastic um, because I looked a certain shape and size. Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew like, this is a deeper issue. This is a systematic issue. This is, this is an environmental issue. This is um, oppression. This, there's so many layers to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once I recovered from my eating disorder, I still was having diet culture show up in my life. And that's when I was like, okay, there's another layer to this, and this is my body image, and I need to explore body image. And body image, how I define it, is the way that we think, we feel, our attitudes, our beliefs, our behaviors around the way that we look. Mm. And I wanted to understand it more because you don't have to have, um, you know, you can have an eating disorder and obviously have a negative body image, but you can have a negative body image and not potentially have an eating disorder. Mm. So we all can walk around having a negative 
view of the way that we look. And I, after I had my daughter, um, I knew that I had to change the way that I was thinking and feeling because I didn't want her to feel what I was feeling. And I, I talked about this in Powerhouse Women's event. The number one question I get asked by moms and parents is, how do I make sure that my child doesn't have a, a negative body image? Mm-hmm. And what I see is, you know, really what you're asking me is, how do I make sure that my daughter or my son doesn't hate their body the way that I hated mine? Yes. And it starts with you. It always starts with you. Children learn through social modeling. Monkey see, monkey do. Mm. And you can tell your child, you know, you are blue in the face, that they are beautiful, that they are amazing, that they are worthy and, you know, accept their bodies. But if you on the other side of that are getting on a scale and you are grimacing, or if you're not eating with your children, or you're like, oh no, mommy, mommy can't eat that. Mommy's on a diet today. Or if you're only drinking fluids, um, you know, that's confusing messages for the child. They don't, they don't understand. Well, mom tells me, I'm beautiful, but mom doesn't think that she's beautiful. So can I really trust what she's saying? Mm. Because I think mom's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so it sends all these mixed messages. And I didn't want to have mixed messages for my children. I didn't want to have mixed messages in my life anymore. And so I really adopted in not being part of the diet culture and to point it out and to spot it and, and help people know what to do about it. And to educate and to give them the power back as a consumer, you don't have to purchase that product. You don't have to agree just because they're a celebrity or just because they're selling you something doesn't mean that you have to believe it. Mm. You can say, you know what? That's not for me. Um, like Patrice Washington said, you know, reject the advice is not in alignment with your assignment. I mean, mm. you don't have to take that in. And that's what I started to do for myself. And that's what I want my kids to be able to do for themselves. Mm, so beautiful. I truly like looking... Looking. How were you raised? What was something that you saw growing up that was you know, impactful on your body image? Well, I was raised for my um, body image to be a very focal point. I mean, I was always told about... I had comments about my external appearance all the time, which was not good. Um, you know, I remember going on a diet when I was probably 14, if not younger, um, you know, counting my calories, um, um, worried about you know, what I was going to look like or if I could get into my clothes. Um, I mean, I was young. I was a teenager. I'm yes. um, I, the messages to me were, your appearance is very important. Mm-hmm. And it's Probably it really not directly, but it was the most it was the most important thing about me, mm. and that is the furthest thing from the truth. Mm. My the way that I look is the least interesting thing about me, and I don't want anyone to think that the way that they look is the most interesting thing about them. Mm-hmm. Um, what is interesting about a person is what they have to offer to the world, who they are, the way that they treat others, if they're kind if they're accepting, if they're loving, like that's what I, that's who I have in my life. Not, I don't have a girlfriend in my life because I think she's cute. Mm-hmm. I have a girlfriend in my life because she's caring and she's an amazing mom. And because she's educated or she works really hard, you know, whatever it may be, it's the inner qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to get away from that because um, that was something that I really grew up with. Um, lots of messages from my parents 
um, about my my the way that I looked, and I still get it today mm-hmm. uh, about the way that I look. And I really try to say and <laughs> yes, <laughs> more than that. Um, or if it's my daughter, or my son, and mm-hmm. he or he is all this too. And um, because we're so ingrained to just focus on the external appearance. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, used, it it was something that was so nice to be told and said to, but now we don't, you know, when it's, it, we forget like, oh, wow, <laughs> if you just cling to that, then that's going to be the thing where most of the value is. And I think one of the biggest ways that I've shifted out of that, especially coming from, you know, having no attention up until I started doing fitness competitions and then getting all the attention only for that. One of the main ways that I had to detach my identity from my body and being super lean, because the second I wasn't super lean, I wasn't getting those comments. So it was like, oh my God, how do I get those again? Um, You know, feeling seen, because I didn't know other ways how to feel seen, even by myself. So... Um, like realizing their buckets, like am I adding to the beauty bucket, <laughs> which is usually comes up pretty empty in the end, or am I adding to like my what I love about myself and what I think is, you know, how do I make myself enjoyable to myself? And a lot of those answers are, you know, being creative. Can I learn another language? Can I play the guitar? Can I be really, really amazing to other people? Can I help them with their business? Can I? And those are things now that are like so lasting, like those are so fulfilling. Um, So how can we focus on, you know, like building things up, especially as females outside of, you know, our external? I love what you just said. It's so valuable because I I was just working actually with a gentleman who when he was in high school, you know, he got all this praise for being so physically fit. Mm. And he, you know, fast forward years later, he's going back to his, you know, high school reunion and he has so much anxiety mm. about the way that he looks and he's obsessive about working out because he wants to uphold this image that he had when he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And I said the exact same thing to him. I said, you know, the, the least interesting interesting thing about you is the way you look. And he just started crying. And he's like, no one has ever said that to me. And I needed to hear that. I needed to give myself the permission to be more. Mm. And I I just said, yeah. I mean, we just had this really raw conversation. And I agree with you. Um, fa- like finding out who we are beyond our physical appearance. And you talked about how um, you know, thinness is equated with um, moral superiority. Mm. Uh, we automatically assume that people in thinner bodies have it all together, mm. you know, have it figured out, um, have the answers to health and wellness, know what they're doing. Um, and and it, it could not be further from the truth. Mm. And I'm not saying that's an all or never statement. What I'm saying to you is that we cannot say who or who does not have an an eating disorder or negative body image based on their shape or size. Mm -hmm. We cannot determine a person's health based on their shape or size from the external appearance. Mm. Because I've worked with individuals who have anorexia nervosa. And I tell you what, they are miserable. Mm. Mm -hmm. Um, I've worked with fitness competitors. They are miserable. Mm. When I was, you know, at my thinnest, I was miserable. I was hungry. You know, I knew there was a problem when I was out on a date and I could not, I didn't even pay attention to what he was saying because bread had been put on the table and I had not eaten bread in months. And the smell, 
and just looking at it, like completely came into my, you know, I couldn't think because all I could think about is like, oh my God, I really want, I want bread. Mm-hmm. I want bread. And it had been months since I'd eaten any carbs and I had, you know, reached my carb limit for the day. Mm. So I couldn't eat it. But guess what happened? I went home and I binged. Yep. And, and, and women get into these horrible, and men too, but we get into these horrible, vicious cycles of deprivation. Mm. And we are really, again, avoiding joy mm-hmm. because food tastes good. It's, it's, it's fun. It's pleasurable. It's a way for us to connect. And if we're not allowing ourselves that pleasure, we, we are going to make it harder for ourselves to experience pleasure in other areas of our lives. Mm. Oh man, I've so been there so many times <laughs> back in the day. And let me tell you, one of the scariest things in the world was letting go of like, in order for me to let go of that you know, what I thought was control, but it was really always had the opposite effect. Like whenever I would feel very in control, I would have the equal yin and yang, right? The equal and opposite effect like that would happen of uncontrol on the other side. So um, something that I want to just chat about briefly is just, you know, when you were on stage, you were talking about the, I think it's called the Minnesota... Um, starvation study, which with you talking about, you know, not being able to or, or you know, trying to stop yourself from having the bread and then binging. Uh, you had shared some stuff that I just thought was so interesting. Could you share a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so this study is fascinating because it's really one of the most important studies when it comes to dieting because the study was done after World War II. Dr. Ansel Keys and his researchers wanted to study the effects of war. And it wasn't, you know, guns and warfare that killed humanity during that time, it was famine. And so he wanted to understand how to rehabilitate a body after starvation. Mm. And 400 male subjects volunteered. Um, it ended up being um, 36 that he took in. And in the first um, three months, all of them were evaluated. Um, there was a baseline and they were given 3,200 calories to start off with. And the men were doing great. And then the six-month period was the restrictive period. Mm. And the restrictive period, they cut their calories in half. So about 1,575 calories. Now, Lori, you know, and I'm sure, um, I mean, I have dieted and been on way less than 1,575 calories. Um, And so, but this was, you know, cut in half for these men. So it was significant. Mm-hmm. So naturally, we're going to see changes in their body shape and size. And that's you know what the researchers predicted and wanted to see happen. But what they weren't prepared for was the emotional and mental um, repercussions of the deprivation of the restriction of the calories. So men started to become irritable in the food line, the cafeteria. Um, they started to not sit with them with each other and would sit by themselves. Mm. When they were eating, they would um, try to dilute their potatoes with water to make it last longer. They would take their fork or spoon and scrape every single morsel left on their plate. Um, They would go into the garbage hoping to find leftovers of anyone else's plates. Hmm. And I mean, I've been there. I've taken my spoon and done every last bite I possibly could. I have dug through the garbage, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, trying to, you know, put, you know, like dump the brownies out. Let's get it back out. It was like, is Uh, that pizza touching anything? (laughs) 
<laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Two seconds. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so back, but back in their um, you know, um, housing, they at night were instead of reading books or literature on interests or hobbies, they started reading cookbooks mm. and recipe books. And what do we see with any dining program? We see cookbooks mm. and recipe books come out with it. And they became obsessed with food. Mm. So they stopped socializing with one another. And they instead would isolate themselves and not go to movies. They would chew up to 40 packs of gum a day Mm. until gum was banned. They tried to smoke cigarettes until that was banned. And as the months continued, their behavior became worse. They became more apathetic. They became more isolated. They became more irritable. Um, They lost their motivation to do a lot of activities. So after the six months, the next phase was the rehabilitation phase, and that was three months. And their calorie intake was increased 500 calories. And Naturally, you would think that the men would be happy and their symptoms would improve. Actually, it got worse. Mm. The men became more aggressive. They actually became severely depressed. A couple of them felt suicidal because they felt that they failed the program. Mm. Because what they saw in the mirror wasn't enough Mm. compared to what the researchers were showing. Hey, no, these are... These are your stats. You, you've lost enough weight. We need to rehabilitate your body. They struggled and suffered from body dysmorphia. Mm. So what they saw was different than what other people saw. Mm. One man um, was going so crazy in his mind that they, he was um, eliminated from the program. And when he was walking home, I mean, back then there wasn't like McDonald's or Dairy Queen, um, but he stopped at a, a soda shop and he binged 17 sodas. Wow. So quickly they increased the caloric intake again and again and again because the results, their mental health was not improving despite their physical weight going up. So it wasn't until the subjects were around almost 5,000 calories that we started to see repair in their mental and emotional health. Wow. And so what this says is that our bodies don't know when the starvation is going to stop. Mm. Even though these men knew that the study was not something that would be forever, their bodies didn't know the difference. So it took an exceptional long amount of time for their mental health to repair itself from the deprivation and the restriction that they were under. Mm. And we go on cleanses or diets or restriction all the time. I see it all the time after we've given birth to babies, when we are going on to a vacation because we want to look good in our swimsuits to, you know, just a gym workout or a wedding, you know, we, we will put ourselves under this restrictive nature and we will keep living life as though nothing has changed. 
And yet we are expecting our brains and our emotional well-being to function at the same capacity or even at a higher level. And yet we are restricting our food intake significantly. We can't live on what we're eating when our caloric intake is not meeting the needs of even a small child. Mm-hmm. And as women, I mean, we are doing incredible things right now. Like we are building empires. We are taking business. We are, you know, getting into the rooms, developing relationships. And yet we're expecting ourselves to be under this restricted food intake while we're doing it. Mm-hmm. So that we can look our best, not feel our best. We tell ourselves we're feeling good, but we're hungry. <laughs> you know, we, we are hungry mm-hmm. and we need to eat. Mm. And the biggest gift you can give yourself is the gift of food. Mm. We would never say to a child, oh, I don't think you should eat that. You better watch what you're eating. Mm-hmm. We, we wouldn't talk that way to our children. And yet we talk that way to ourselves on a daily basis. Mm. So changing the negative talk is, is critical. It's critical mm-hmm. to, our, to our wellness, to our uh, overall, um, to healing our, you know, damaged body image. So how do we switch that in just, you know, because I could talk to you all day, but we're nearing the end here. How can we, and I know this is a, a much larger question, which we can, you know, follow you, find you. And I know you have some amazing things to offer. Um, if everyone's like now salivating, like now what? <laughs> but how do we, you know, turn that into really nourishing ourselves and remembering like, it's an act of love and of kindness and it helps your mood and your mental health and your relationships and everything excel to release yourself from that mental prison and, and nourish your body with food. So, you know, if you were to, uh, if you were giving yourself advice when you were in that um, period of time in your life, what would you go back and say to yourself? I would go back and say to myself, you deserve it. You deserve love. You deserve to be accepted by yourself because somewhere, somehow I, I believe that I wasn't worthy. Mm. I wasn't good enough to deserve love in an emotional, nurturing, compassionate way. Mm. And so when I don't believe it in myself, then I'm, I'm not going to allow myself to, to eat. I, I, I kept trying to shrink my body size, thinking that's the only way that I could be accepted and be loved. And I told myself this myth that if I was thin enough, he wouldn't cheat. Mm. If I was thin enough, then I would get that job. If I was thin enough, then my dad would finally notice me. Mm. If I was thin enough, then all these magical things would happen. And the reality was, no, he's still going to cheat. He's... You don't need to be thin in order to get that job. You get that job because you work your butt off and you you demand it. Yes. And you, your dad loves you no matter what. Mm-hmm. You just got to you just got to have a conversation with him. Mm-hmm. You, you got to get you got to talk to him. Mm-hmm. And that's what I had to do. I mean, I, I had a, I have a lot of conversations with my dad, and I'm, I'm so glad I did because mm-hmm. we're we're great now. So that's the piece. It, it wasn't about my food or my body shape and size or trying to get myself to fit in a pair of, you know, whatever size jeans. Mm. I need to nourish myself so I can nourish the other parts of my life. Mm. Oh man, this needs like a whole part two. Um, 
<laughs> Truly. And like, we're we, eight, we just, we just walked good. ourselves into another hour podcast. Perfect. Um, <laughs> well, I'm so grateful for you. Truly. I, I mean, I, I really feel like I could continue this conversation and get so many answers for myself and so many other people. Um, but where can we find you? Where can we follow you and learn more? So I'm actually launching my body image online course. Um, I am so excited. It is called Bye Bye Body Blame. You deserve to love your body without having to lose weight. And I feel like I gave birth again because this, this, this course has everything that I needed when I was suffering and struggling. And that's why that's why I went to. Like I went back to that girl and I thought, what did she need to hear? What would have helped her? What did she need to know? All the research, all the statistics, the information so that I had... I'm all about education and this education to me is power. Mm. So give me all the education and then tell me what I need to do. Mm. And so I, I boiled it down to four core steps that a person needs to take in order to clap for themselves. And the clapping is really a metaphor for the loving and the compassion and the nourishment to give back to yourself. Because we so often will give it to others, right? Like, good for you. And we'll clap for them, but we rarely are clapping for ourselves. Mm. And so that's what I teach individuals in the program. Um, and it's, and it's, you know, once you have it, it's yours, it's, it's yours forever. So, um, it's a way to dive into understanding how to heal your body image. And I'm, I can't wait for everyone to get their hands on it. So, um, also I post a lot of information on my Instagram. I mean, um, I'm constantly talking about things that are in, you know, pop culture, to you know, um, tips and tools and strategies that a person can have. I'm located in Scottsdale, Arizona. Um, that's where my private practice is, and I'm just I'm really blessed. I'm blessed that I I was able to be a guest on your show. I think what you're doing, Lori, is incredible. Um, I adore you, and um, you know you bring such joy into my life when I listen to your podcast, and you're so funny. And um, I really appreciate everything that you're doing because um, you really are an inspiration for, for so many of us. Oh my God. Well, thank you so much for that. I'm beyond grateful for this conversation. I'm so grateful that we've been connected. And I know that this has been probably, you know, one of the most insightful, eye opening uh, podcasts for a lot of people just on really starting to show up for themselves and believe they deserve it. And this is just... If you feel that this is just the beginning for you, definitely go check her stuff out or ask for help wherever you're at because it is powerful. Like It is so powerful to have these conversations, not just listening to them, but to go and actually have them and have somebody hold space for you. So thank you so, so much for coming on the podcast. And you guys, I have linked up everything in the show notes that so that you can go and find her. And um, I always end on one last question. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So you have like 30 seconds with a stranger in passing, whether it's on the street or in an elevator. It's literally only 30 seconds and you've never met this person before. And they ask you, how can I make myself happy? What do you say? Believe in yourself. Mm. Believe in yourself. Believe in your worth. Believe in your love. Believe in you that you deserve. I, that's, that's the first thing I thought to myself. Believe in yourself. Mm, um, it, it always starts with us. Just like I said, when it comes to the parenting issue, it starts with you. It starts with us. It, it always starts with us. So believe in yourself. Mm. Thank you so much. And you guys, if you love this episode and you know anybody struggling and all that you want to text us to, absolutely do it right now. And we are so grateful for you. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye, everyone. 
Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. And I want to make sure that you have my phone number and I'm not kidding. Did you know that I have a community text number for real? My phone number is 310-496-8363. This goes directly to my phone. All you have to do is text the word daily to 310-496-8363. And I literally text you every single day, Monday through Friday, I actually just got done 30 seconds ago texting a bunch of people back and I talk to you all of the time. You guys, people always ask me how I got my community text number and how it works. Well, all you have to do is you can just go to community.com and get your own. Community makes it easy to get a phone number that you can use to build your audience using text. People just text you at your number and they're added to your group. Then you can text them out audios, video links, anything you want. You guys, I text out happy birthday videos. I love to send podcast links, thoughts about life, book recommendations, uh, different events that I'm doing in the local area. Texting gets me out of the noise of social media and directly into your hand. And now you can start texting your people too. Just go to community.com to get your phone number. They give you a 10 digit real phone number, not those weird short codes that look like spam, but it's more than a phone number. Your new number comes with an inbox for SMS and texting. This means you can actually manage your text list from your computer and an app on your phone. You can schedule texts to send at certain times and to certain groups. You can even set up auto replies or let your assistant or customer service team answer your text messages via community's awesome dashboard. Just go to community.com and ask for a free demo. They'll show you how it works and get you your number. It's time to start texting your audience versus just posting on social media. Everyone uses community for that. So go check them out at community.com. I can tell you it's not just great for communicating with my audience, but Chris and I use community and our texts to also sell out our launches. I'm telling you, you get such an incredible response because you really are creating a true deep sense of community and it's so intimate. It's freaking amazing. Go check it out at community.com. Hey, I know if you're listening to this podcast that you have big dreams and big goals. And one of the things that can really stop you is struggling with your marketing. Trust me, I have been there. Are you using 10 different systems just to build your online business? Then I want you to try Kajabi. Kajabi helps you build your web pages, set up funnels, and sell your courses, content, coaching, or communities. You've been hearing me talk a lot about funnels on this podcast and the importance of your email list. You can get a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com. 
I've talked about Kajabi before, but here's something that's super cool and new. They just rolled out an AI assistant for creating your online course curriculum. And this means you just type in a topic that you wanna create on a course or webinar and bam, it just generates a sample outline for you. It takes a ton of the hard work away. Of course, you're gonna customize it to be your own, but this really helps you get over the struggle of how in the world to start which is where most people stop. If you're like me, starting is always the hardest part and that's what makes Kajabi so popular. They've made it easier for creators to build web pages, build courses, build coaching programs, build membership sites, build checkout pages and build email funnels. So if you're struggling with any of those, you gotta go check it out. Go to kajabi.com. Kajabi was really the first all-in-one system and is trusted by over 100,000 creators. I think that's good enough for me. Also as influencers and marketers who use this and now their smart AI platform makes it easy to take what you know and turn it into an online course and business. Go start building with a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com. Want to know a huge secret to my success? Okay, not only my success, but just about every single person that I have interviewed on this podcast who is successful has this in common. You guys, they love to journal. They capture their life lessons and what they're grateful for. But a lot of people don't keep this up consistently. And most people do know that the research shows that journaling deepens your gratitude and increases self-awareness. But did you also know that journaling decreases stress and helps you achieve your goals faster? In fact, journaling is a huge differentiator between average performers at work and high-performing people. It leads to longer-term clarity, confidence, and success. So why don't more people journal? Why didn't I journal consistently? Honestly, they don't like staring at a blank page. It's hard to carry a book around with you or a notepad, and they just don't even know what to write about or they just forget. That's why I know that you're going to love Growth Day. It's the world's number one system for self-improvement, and it's like all-in-one personal development in an app. And it has an awesome digital journal, and people love it. Growth Day's digital journal has hundreds of research-backed writing prompts for self-reflection, positive mindset, confidence building, and success. I use them all the time, and it makes me think in ways that I typically don't, and it makes me ask myself better questions, which we all know gets better results in our lives. It even has prompts that help you develop a daily, weekly, or monthly habit of reflecting on your life and identifying areas to grow. So it's a perfect time of year to start journaling, you guys. When you sign up at Growth Day, you also get systems for habit tracking, goal setting, and scoring and improving every area of your life. Best of all, I get to teach there too, you guys. I'm so excited. I hope that I get to see you. I teach live in Growth Day every single month with a new topic just for you. So join me there. Start your free trial at growthdate.com slash Lori.